Hello, and welcome to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal. And Renee. And we have a very special guest today. We have criminal profiler John Kelly with us. And Renee, would you like to go ahead and introduce Mr. Kelly? Absolutely. Um, John Kelly is an internationally recognized criminal profiler. He is a psychotherapist and an author of the book, Warning Signs, A Guidebook for Parents. We are, we are so happy to have you, John Kelly, on. Well, thank you so much. I'm really honored to be here. I'm really honored to uh, be on, and I'm glad you guys asked me. Awesome. Well, we've been obsessed with a fascinating case called the Missy Beavers case, which happens to be local to both Renee and me. And um, uh, we are really on the edge of our seats to hear your thoughts on this perpetrator. We have put four years into this case, and it's frustrating that it doesn't, it's obviously not been solved yet as far as an arrest. And we really can't wait to hear what you have to say about this case. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's, um, you guys have got yourself a very, very interesting case there. That's I mean, for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean uh, you know, we have uh, poor Missy Beavers, um, you know, getting ready to teach her class. And then all of a sudden we have this killer come in and, um, you know, he's uh, wearing a football helmet or she's wearing a football helmet. <laughs> yeah, that's you true. Know? And, uh, you know, all, uh, all dressed up in the outfit, you know, the black outfit, um, you know, that she's uh, like a, like a policeman more or less um what would you call that organization that works for the police the strike force oh swat swat yeah swat yeah, yeah. sorry Swatters. i just lost my train of thought there so i mean it's just very very interesting the way that took place uh if you notice in the beginning um you know well let me let me start at the very beginning you you're definitely dealing with a very organized perpetrator. I mean, this was, um, you know, totally organized, totally planned as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, you had some uh, staging going on where the person, you know, tried to make it look like they were uh, damaging the church. Um you know, I think they they broke some stuff inside the church. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, that was purely uh, for staging. I mean, you know, and, and kind of stupid in a way because, you know, who wants to break into a church? I mean, how much money are you going to get out of a church? Unless he was, they were trying to, you know, emphasize maybe they were younger younger people, younger kids uh, doing something right. like that. I mean, I, know, I, know, I don't know if that's where the staging was supposed to lead. They thought that would lead to, um, to the cops. Uh, what really grabbed me, and I'm sure it probably grabbed you guys in your audience, was the car turning in. I think it was approximately 2.30 in the morning. It was earlier. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I think if, please correct me if I'm wrong, because I just looked at this case. 
you know, it was picked up on a camera from a uh, firearm store down there, a sporting goods store, maybe? Yeah, it's about a mile and a half caddy corner across the street from Okay. The okay. And it has a good view to church parking lot, obviously, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, so that jumped, that really jumped out at me because, you know, I mean, why would a car pull into the parking lot of a church at approximately 2.30 in the morning, again, if I'm correct on the time, and turn the lights off? Well, you know, I mean, the reason they're turning the lights off while they're still moving in the car is because it's a stealth like approach and they really don't want to be seen so they're obviously up to something where they don't want to be seen or recognized or identified and then you know I think the car puts the lights back on and then leaves and uh, comes back later or no was that was that more like towards five o'clock yeah that was later okay yeah. So so this is this is the actual scene where the car is pulling in closer to when Missy arrived or was arriving, right? It was before. Well, the the, the one about the SWFA, which is the gun store. Yeah. The car is seen um, turning off its lights, pulling in, and I think they wait there for about like three minutes, and right. then they leave again. That's yeah. around two something. Right. Um, yeah. So that's earlier, a couple hours before. Okay. Okay. So that's before. And then um, do we have a video of the car coming back or no? That's the only video of that particular That's car. the only video of the Nissan Altima, but okay. we do have um, eyewitnesses that saw a small dark SUV fleeing the scene of the crime after Missy's murder. So those cars don't match. Okay. So if that Altima was the perpetrator, he or she was in a different car. Okay. That's interesting. Yes. Now, the the other part of it is that, um, you know, we're, we, we have a person that realized, as far as I'm concerned, that's why I think it's so organized, we have a person that realized that there were cameras inside the church. They knew that. Yeah. Okay? Or they would not have dressed like that. I mean, I've never heard anybody trying to rob or vandalize the church dressed up like that right so right and we know the whole thing's bs and we know there was you know staging and everything else that that went on there um but when you go back and you look at the situation and knowing that the person was familiar with pretty much uh you know a uh, cameras in the church but I have I have to say that there were no cameras outside the church. Do we know that for sure? Or there were there cameras outside the church that the perpetrator were, was able to get around? There were cameras, but they, for whatever reason is unknown, were not working that day. Oh, that's Nearly. very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and um, so we we tend to think that the perpetrator parked at the church. So. Right. It makes me think that perpetrator had some inside information on the camera system because they were, like you said, they're covered from head to toe. Yeah. So they knew the indoor cameras were working. 
but they pulled up in their small dark SUV and parked at the church and got out so they wouldn't get wet because it was pouring down rain. Okay. So it, it kind of proves that they did, they did know that the outside cameras were not working. Well, that's very, very important. Now, also, um, you know, would that SUV have been in Missy's line of sight as she was entering the church or was this before he like they were hiding hit it off to the side they knew what entrance she was going to enter from what we know it was the opposite side of the building so she okay. pulls up under an under an awning to unload yeah. so he or she would have parked on the opposite side so she wouldn't have seen that car as far as we know and the way the church sits, it kind of sits at an angle. So when you're coming up the driveway, mm -hmm. that part of the building is really completely, you can't see anything on that, that end of the building where we think the perpetrator parked. Right. Uh, from where she enters and goes to the uh, awning area. So it's completely, you're able to not see anything where, the, where they were at, where we think they were at. Okay, so, yeah. So that, <laughs> that, and that again makes sense that it was uh, very premeditated, premeditated, and it was extremely organized. The person really knew the layout well. Okay, right. and now you're telling me now you're telling me that the outside cameras were disabled, so the person was not worried about his vehicle being seen by the outside church cameras. Right. Okay. So that's very. This is all very interesting. Okay. So this is somebody that had some kind of, you know, inside knowledge one way or the other. I'm not quite sure. I'm sure law enforcement hopefully has a better, a better grip on that. Uh, then, then we have law enforcement getting involved. And, oh, well, let, let me go back to the murder uh, first. Let me start with the murder. Uh, this person had a claw hammer. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so supposedly they killed Missy by beating her in the head and chest. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so they did not go at her face, or was it like the forehead, the back of the head? Do you know, or we don't know that? They've been very tight-lipped about yeah, everything sure. in this case, but they did say puncture wounds to the head and chest. That's okay. the only thing they've told the public about the actual murder. Okay, so I didn't uh, go out of phrase was head and chest, okay. And uh, then they um, put out a number of warrants, as many people have said, they cast, tried to cast the, the huge net and uh, in different directions and nothing came from those warrants, right? Right. Okay. So now we have Missy's husband, Having an alibi, he was away on a trip? Yes. What, guys, what can you guys tell me about that? Well, he goes on an annual fishing trip, okay. and we were able to confirm that through people who know him well. And then I also, I literally scrolled back on Facebook and saw where they had been talking about it the prior year. So it is true that it's an annual fishing trip with the same group of guys, and they go to the same place in Mississippi. He had just arrived and was about to get on the boat. And he commented that if they would have, if um, they would have called him just a few minutes later, he would have not had access to his phone for a long time and wouldn't have found out about her murder. But they called him just as he was about to get on the boat. 
So instead of getting on the boat, one of the buddies offered to drive him back to Midlothian, which is in the Dallas area. And, um, you know, to be with family and to be with his daughters mm -hmm. and to see what was going on. Um, <coughs> excuse me. They initially told Brandon, that's uh, Missy's husband. They initially told him that she was in a car accident. Um, a family member made that decision, just thought it was too much for him to learn that she had been bludgeoned to death. Huh. Um, just so that on the ride home, all he knew was that she had been in a car accident. Mm -hmm. And he didn't even know she was deceased at that time? I believe he did. They did say she was killed. Okay. I think they said she's no longer with us. Yes. Okay. That was what the person told him. Okay. Um, and so pretty much his alibi has been substantiated? From yes. what we understand, yeah. Yeah, apparently police went out there and verified his movements and checked his flight records and everything. And they, they spoke at length with the people he was with. And mm -hmm. they even met with the boat captain. And they were comfortable that he was physically there. Okay. Now, I, I saw a video um, of him being interviewed by one of the stations there. You guys, yes. I, I'm sure, have seen it. Yes. And he said, you know, he just wanted to get closure. Um, I'm trying to remember which one you're talking about. It was a quick sound bite, but it caught my ear. He said, you know, we, we just want to, uh, I'm pretty sure he said he wanted to get closure to this case. And he wanted to go and uh, do his mourning on his own or something. Oh, yes. There's been a lot of eyebrows raised by some of Brandon's interviews um, as far as the public goes. Mm -hmm. He has said some things that people thought didn't quite sound like a grieving husband should sound or sounded just a little off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was just, I just found it to be an you know, interesting uh, word, closure, you know. Um, you know, over the years, you know, I'm a psychotherapist too, so over the years I've counseled, you know, a lot of people uh, that have lost loved ones. And, um, you know, to be totally honest with you, uh, there's no such thing as closure for a loved one. Right. Um, I mean, they have a... If they truly love you and everything, and I, I don't, you know, who knows? I mean, this, you know, this relationship was kind of in turmoil from what I read too, but um, pretty much, you know, when I've, uh, when I've talked with uh, people who've lost loved ones, I mean, uh, they usually, uh, especially the murders, I mean, they usually, um, you know, have a, uh, an eternal hole in their heart. And they really don't use the word closure. Usually, you know, um, you know, they're, they're going to go on and then uh, they're going to feel this pain. This, this hole in their heart isn't going to heal. Right. I mean, I mean, they will cope with it better, Especially, you know, if they have other loved ones, like children, if it's a child they lost to a murder or whatever. But usually, um, you know, there's no, uh, you know, there's never closure. And when you lose a loved one, you, you cope with it better. But 
Right, that you know, makes that, sense. That, in, that hole is always there, you know? Well, I do want to get your opinion on this. What do you think about, um, you know, sharing your feelings in your, in your, your psychotherapist office where you feel a little more comfortable versus having a camera stuck in your face and you're someone who's never been on TV before? Maybe, I just wonder if some of the awkwardness we're hearing from Brandon is just sort of the shock of what happened to him plus being out of your element. Um, well, it could, it, it, it absolutely could very well be. I mean, there's no question about it. It absolutely could very well be. I mean, you know, when you're not used to the camera and then all of a sudden you're on, you're on the camera and, um, you know, you're uh, grieving uh, your wife's death. Everybody grieves death differently. Everybody grieves differently. And, um, you know, it could be... Um, just what he thought was the right thing to say, you know, in, in this sad situation from watching so much uh, of this stuff on TV, because, you know, how many times have we heard closure on TV? Yes. It's, I mean, seriously. It's like a buzzword. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's a buzzword. I mean, right. closure. and, and, uh, you know, I mean, those of us that have been on the front lines, we, you know, understand it more, but I mean, uh, you know, it's just, it, it could be just the normal thing to say. And like I said, everybody grieves differently. So he may have just wanted to, you know, um, you know, felt a certain amount of pressure and anxiety and just blurred it whatever out and went off and, uh, you know, truly mourned his wife, you know, and, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, there's constant talk and stuff out there on um, affairs and uh, money and stuff. I mean, I mean, can you tell me more about that? You know, the search warrants is where that information came from. And, um, you know, the search warrant, of course, is just basically the police officer that's that is writing the affidavit, trying to convince the judge to let them have the search. And they said something to the effect of they had found in the phone records, apparently texting or phone call, I guess in text, they had found that there was some um, marital discord um, as far as finances go. And as far as uh, they found some evidence that there might've been an affair on Missy's part. I think um, also there was also, wasn't there an article where um, it was reported that Brandon had also told them about one of the affairs or or, or the affair, whichever one it may be, I don't know. But right. I think he told them about one of them and I don't remember which one, but. Yeah, I think and we that, that, been, and that, that wasn't something that was a hot topic at the moment. I mean, it wasn't something currently going on, I should say. It, that affair was from maybe a year prior. Mm -hmm. And, um, was that a uh, a supposed affair, or did Brandon kind of uh, cement it and saying saying it was a definite affair? Well, he yeah. knows the name, so I think he. Don't you agree? I think he. Um, it was something that had happened prior, and it was confirmed because he gave them a name. Right, oh, okay. and and they had. We talked to some people close to the couple. Um, who confirmed, and also his own sister, Brandon's sister, said in an interview that Missy had had an affair, but they had made up, and that was like a year and a half before the murder, 
and um, her name was Christy, um, Brandon's sister. She said in a TV interview that it was in the past. I mean, they had made up, but obviously feelings like that don't just go away overnight. But you know what I'm trying to say is that yeah, it, it wasn't going on that we're aware of at the time of the murder. Okay. Okay. And uh, supposedly uh, this man was cleared, the man she was having had this fling with? You know, we've seen all the search warrants and we, we've reduced down to requesting them quarterly now because they had slowed down considerably. But there has not been any search warrants on that individual. We don't know to what extent the police spoke with him. Um, we do know that they had a um, forensic podiatrist have um, all the persons of interest walk for him. Yeah. And there was only one uh, person of interest that the podiatrist could not eliminate based on gait. Because if you notice in the video, that person has a pretty distinct gait. Yeah. And um, so I don't know if the ex-lover was part of the group. We just don't know who's on that list of people that they had walk for the podiatrist. I think oh. in an article, uh, I think somewhere we know we saw. Remember that one um, search warrant that has a list of people that they had walk, and there's four names, and they have them uh, redacted, yeah. but you yeah. can tell there's four. Oh yeah, that's right. We don't. We just don't know who. And um, I asked the forensic podiatrist, and he said, "I'm so sorry, I can't tell you." He's a very nice man, but obviously for the case, he wasn't. I just thought it was worth a shot, but <laughs> he said he couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> We pretty much try whatever you can think of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know the feeling I've had. Uh, I've had various journalists uh, take some shots at me. Oh, could you tell me this or, you know, <laughs> sorry, ma'am. Can't say anything right now. It's yeah. worth a try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She said that. It's exactly what she said too. Worth yep. a try. I said, yeah. Uh, <laughs> have a nice day now. Exactly. Um, you know, when we look at, um, you know, Randy's uh, father, he has a uh, an alibi. He was away with the mother out in, Cal were they in California, I think? Yes. Yeah. He okay. was, um, Randy Beavers, who is Brandon Beavers' father, who yep. was, Randy, um, right. yeah, he would be Missy's father-in-law, of course. She, yeah. um, he and his current wife, not Brandon's mother, but his second wife, were in California doing what they always do. They travel in an RV, apparently a good bit of the time they're retired and that happened to be where they were at the mm -hmm. time of the murder. Okay. Um, you see what you guys have in the beginning, you know, to, to uh, kick this case off, you have something um, and law enforcement has something that's important. You have the how you have how she was killed. Okay. She was killed with this uh, claw hammer. Am I correct? Yeah. So, so now what you have to, what we want to find out is, you know, the why, okay? Because if we can find out the why, that'll lead us to the who, all right? Yes. So was there, you know, who had motive? I mean, who was going to profit one way or the other? I mean, anybody, you know, that was going to profit one way or the other from uh, Missy's demise, we don't have any proof that there would be any financial gain by her being killed. Mm -hmm. um, we just, I mean, they're not super wealthy people. So it's hard to think that, you know, of course there's rumors in small towns. People say, Oh, I bet that Missy was going to divorce Brandon and clean him out. Um, I mean, he's not like a millionaire or anything. I mean, I don't really, I, I don't really 
and I, from my understanding, we haven't gotten any confirmation on this either, but I don't believe there was a huge life insurance settlement. So right. I just don't really, I don't really know what the motive is. It sure does look like a hateful personal crime. Right. Um, I think that if, you know, uh, there's been a lot of speculation on this being a hit and, and that's, that's where we were hoping you could help us because, you know, if, if someone, if I was crazy enough to kill someone and someone told me, you know, you're going to have to go kill Missy Beavers and I was nuts enough to do it, I would probably roll up behind the church, wait till she got there, walk up, shoot her in the head, jump in my car and leave. I wouldn't have to do this theatrical thing where I'm on camera walking around in a costume you know what I'm saying? It it seems like this perpetrator is just a very unusual type of killer from what we would see, especially in a small town. Um, what what are your thoughts on sort of the theatrics of this person dancing around on camera for half half an hour in that SWAT outfit and then laying in wait for her and then killing her in such an up close way instead of just shooting her with a bullet? I, it's it's just fascinating to me that that even happened and and that they've gotten away with it so far for four years. Well, you know, I'll tell you, that is uh, very interesting because usually if you're thinking about, you know, killing someone and, you know, getting away with it, um, like, you know, really in the easiest manner, you're talking usually under the cover of darkness. Usually um, you'd be, you know, if you were uh, that methodical, which this person seemed to be methodical. Uh, you know, you could just shoot them, like you said, in the head, and then that would be the end of it. That would be over. This seemed more to me like the person wanted to terrify them. Like this was, yes, this was more personal, but yet based on what we know, he, he or she did not attack their, attack Missy's face. You know, that's why I asked about the face. Because that would make it, you know, the worst thing you can do to a woman is really damage her face. I mean, it's, you, you know, know it's, I mean, it's possible the perpetrator did damage her face. They only released head and chest. Okay. But we've heard, we don't have anything official, but we've talked to people who have close friends who were first responders, blah, blah, blah. And they do say that there was some pretty severe facial damage, but we don't have, okay, okay. We don't have anything official on that. Okay, now, now, with the, because that was going to lead me into this question, um, with this, because it looks personal, this looks personal all the way, right? Yes. I mean, seriously, this is up close, this gives new meaning to up close and personal, right? Right. So, so, you know, uh, somebody here is really uh, hurt and angry, I would have to say. So with the the man supposedly that she had the fling with, right? Yeah. Uh, what about his significant other? I mean, was he married and you know yeah. had the, had the fling with Missy? I mean, what about his uh, wife or significant other? I mean, you know, we it's don't know. It's kind of interesting that you mentioned that because to, to our knowledge, they have never been, um, they were in the, on the target list listed because they were um, two of the people, the, the husband and wife that had spoken to her before her murder or maybe text, who knows. Um, and then 
they they weren't mentioned. She's I don't think she's ever been mentioned other than on that target list. And then the other person that was mentioned in the very beginning, which had to our knowledge has been cleared. Uh, I don't know about cleared, but they're no longer a person of interest. Uh, Casey Williams, he is also, his spouse has never been mentioned either. Okay. All right. So, so there's other people, there's other people with interest that have to be, uh, uh, would you say they're still investigating? Well, I mean, we haven't seen any search warrants on any of these individuals that we've mentioned so far. Um, so it, either they haven't been able to get enough probable cause to get a search warrant or the people um, had an alibi or something that police were able to verify or there's some reason why law enforcement didn't think that they were good candidates to be the perpetrator. We don't know. It's pretty incredible to think that a small town department like Midlothian PD has been able to keep this under wraps. There haven't been leaks. There's nothing. They have done an excellent job. I have to hand it to them. We really don't know that much about this case at all. Yeah, that's they, they've done a, a, a great job. What can you tell me about April Sandoval? I'll let you take this one, Renee. Okay. Um, April was entered into this e uh, this whole ordeal by a person that I won't name, but she was basically going on Missy's Facebook and looking for people, looking on their Facebook to find if they um, had any you know, anything that would stand out at them to make them think that this could be the person. Well, she just so happened to have um, been in, a friend of Missy's. She was in the military for a short stint, um, and her mother drove a Nissan Altima. Um, but I am um, actually a friend of hers, and the Nissan Altima is the wrong year, the wrong color, nor is it hers. Um, and she was, I believe she was one of the ones that had to walk for the police. Mm -hmm. And she was, again, I won't say cleared, but not a person of interest any longer. Okay. Okay. And I mean, you're not, you, you're not privy to if she ever had any arguments in the class or felt uh, disrespected in any way by Missy in the class, right? No, she, uh, from what I understand, she, well, from what she, I was told by her, <clears throat> she won a, um, some kind of a drawing, and, right. and with the drawing, she won to be able to uh, participate in the class for like two weeks or a month or something for free, and that's how she came in connection with Missy. I think she participated in one or two classes and then didn't do it any longer because she has two children and just wasn't able to make it work out with her schedule and her work and everything like that. Um, but no, I don't think she had ever had any disagreements with her whatsoever. I don't think there was even, you know, with only having been around her like twice, I don't even think there was time for that. <laughs> okay. And she works for her stepfather, I think. She did at the time. Yeah. Okay. And how is the relationship with her mom? Uh, with, um, April and her mother. Um, I think they have a difficult relationship at best. Um, I, I don't. I don't think that that's too uncommon, but they. they I think it's a little bit difficult. Yeah. No. The the that's you know it's it's 
you know, normal for people, you know, to have arguments with their parents. Right. <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty normal. Um, and uh, I think, you know, the person that did this uh, has shown a lot of, a lot of pinup rage. A lot of rage came out in this murder. And I'm just wondering if it was if it was something against Missy, like like I'm you know you, you sit back and um, you know you you wonder if she pushed somebody's button uh, during the class that you know um, they took really to heart and they couldn't shake it and. You know, you made a fool out of me in front of people in the class. I'm coming back after you or something. And now these are just the things that run through my mind. Okay. I'm right. not these, these are, you know, and then, you know, well, if you, you know, if you push that button, you know, who installed that button? You know, to be right. Good point. Right. right. Makes sense. Where's this that's, stuff come from? That's where we need the psychotherapist side of this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I know. I wear a couple different hats, like <laughs> jumping around. You know, always jumping around. You know. But, but then the other, the other part of it, um, you know, is that uh, you know usually. Murderers like this that attack with a specific weapon. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just don't wake up one day and say, "Well, today's the day I'm going over and kill Missy." So, you know, I'm going to take this claw hammer with me. Right. Usually, so they feel very, very comfortable with that weapon. So the question comes up, and I say usually, but not. A hundred percent. So the question comes up, who might be, you know, very comfortable with the claw hammer. Now, of course, sometimes it's a tool people use at work and the type of work they do. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes, you know, I mean, you'd never know. It's the way somebody kind of works around their house, but something we would be looking for because it would be obvious where, you know, in the privacy of their own home, it would not be obvious. No, hardly anybody would know how they do their work. But I think it would, it, it's an interesting point. Um, you know, has anybody had that type of job where they would use a claw hammer and feel very, very comfortable with a claw hammer, you know? So right. that's something I would be. Uh, we would be looking for. There's no question about it. You know. I think that um, somebody at some point, and 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 I'm not, I haven't really ever been on this page, but I'm just going to mention it since you're mentioning someone who's comfortable with the claw hammer. Randy Beavers, uh, Brandon's dad. I think that he worked on some type of job where that's what he used, and I can't remember what it was. Do you remember, Crystal? No, I don't. I I know he's been retired for quite some time. Yeah, I just I just mentioned it because you're saying that, but like I said, I've never been on board with it thinking that it was him, but it it's just worth mentioning that that, that was something that I can't remember some something to do with rock. I can't yeah. remember what it was. Yeah, something like that. I forgot though. Mm-hmm. Um, but he seems like he was in more of a, a high end level. Like I don't believe he was actually physically using a a, a 
tools for many years though. I think he was higher up in the company, but I'm having a hard time remembering those details because I'm like you. I didn't, never thought he was really a suspect. Yeah. So I didn't pay a lot of attention to his background, but yeah, something right. to that effect. Yeah. That That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you so. Think, Dr. But, Kelly, what do you think about this being someone who, because, you know, these Camp Gladiator um, leaders that lead these classes, they're sort of like local celebrities. You know, they're, they have, nice outfits they wear to work out in, you know, cuter than like when I go to the gym, I'm wearing a t-shirt, you know, these yeah, people yeah. have on cute little outfits that show off their cute little bodies and they, they advertise their classes and they do a really good job of marketing themselves on social media. So they sort of are elevated to almost like a celebrity status. What are your thoughts on perhaps, cause it's time where I used to really just bang my head against the wall. Who would do this to her? Who has a motive? But as time wears on, I'm starting to sort of think about maybe somebody more on the periphery of her life who might've been obsessed with her and been watching her exercise, watching her videos, watching her social media. Do you think it's possible that this is some kind of a demented person that zeroed in on her from a little bit farther out than her immediate circle? Well, uh, certainly, uh, certainly possible. Usually these kinds of, um, you know, we'll, we'll call her, we'll call them celebrity stalkers. I mean, usually, you know, there's going to be some contact before, you know, uh, there's going to be a lot of, uh, usually some prior contact. I mean, you know, in some cases there isn't, but I mean, like uh, John Lennon being murdered, you know, I mean, he never knew that guy, you know, and, uh, that killed him. The guy just showed up and shot him and killed him, you know. But, um, you know, with um, with Missy, I mean, it's not like she's a celebrity that's all over the TV and this right. and that and everything else. Um, but it's anything's possible. I mean, you know, obviously, um, you know, uh, it could be a demented person. But usually with a demented person, you're not going to see a lot of organization, you know? I mean, they're, they're, they're not going to go through this whole elaborate kind of, uh, you know, I mean, usually they don't have the thought process to be so structured. I guess you know? by, I guess by demented, I was thinking more like, um, sort of like the profile of maybe a serial rapist or a serial killer or someone who, I guess that kind of demented, maybe they are methodical, but it's more just because they're psychologically off. It's not necessarily something that Missy did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could, it could be just that. It could be just that. I mean, you know, um, usually you're, you know, when you start to get to the, to that degree, you're talking about what we call a visionary killer, right? Uh, uh, a good visionary killer, good example of a visionary killer would be Son of Sam in New York, okay? And it goes back to what you mentioned earlier, why not just go up and shoot them in the head, right? Right. I mean, that's, that's what he did, okay? Um, but somebody getting a message, you know, um, you know, from... Uh, they believe God or the devil that, uh, you know, this woman needs to be killed. Um, I mean, you know, 
they're pretty much what we call visionary. They, they hear, they get voices, hear voices. Now, Son of Sam, you can see some structure there, but not a whole lot. I mean, he went to a lover's lane. You know, he didn't have to break into anything. He didn't have to transport anything. I mean, he just shot up, showed up, you know, shot the people, you know, and then that was, that were in the car, and then that was it. He left. I mean, that's, that's what he did. Um, but with this case, this case, I mean, you have to understand, you're telling me that video cameras didn't work on the outside. They were disconnected. We don't know uh, why they weren't working. We don't know if they were malfunctioning prior to the murder and the church hadn't bothered to get them fixed yet, or we don't know if the perpetrator dismantled them. We have absolutely no information on that. All law enforcement has said is that the outside cameras were not working. They were not really working. Strange. Okay, that's strange. At that particular time. Okay, so then we're looking at the person knowing enough to you know, cover themselves up and wear a, a great disguise. Uh, you know, the SWAT outfit, you know, could lend itself to a wannabe law enforcement kind of person, you know, that could be deranged. I mean, it's possible. See, right here, we have a lot of things that are possible. Anything is possible right now. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, they're just, they're just going to have to continue, you know, focusing on leads, you know, and trying to get as much information as they can. Now, if it wasn't personal and it wasn't about money, you're, you know, pretty much telling me that there was no huge insurance policies or anything like that, right? That would no. That were not not that you know, but there wasn't any. Also, too, it seemed like the marriage was putting being put back together after the affair a year and a half prior. Yes, and so I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that's as far as we know. You know, is that it looked like that was a past thing. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, so we weren't in, and we're gonna have to worry about a divorce and splitting up a whole lot of property and then custody of the kids. Right. I mean, so that, that wasn't part of, uh, I mean, that was not going on. There was no talk about it. Seems they, they do have three kids together, but yeah. we had not heard that there was any divorce in progress or anything like that. Gotcha. Okay. So, you know, when you take it, cause usually you know, a lot of these murders that are this personal usually, um, you know, come from somebody that knew the person or, you know, a family member. I mean, usually. So you, you looking at this video, you wouldn't say that this was a paid, a hired hit? Or would you? You know, I'd, I'd, I can't say it wasn't. I can't say it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know, you know, like how much animosity somebody may have had towards her, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how angry somebody could have been at her. I, you know, I, uh, I don't, I, I, off the top of my head, I don't think so. 
I don't think so. Um, because where, you know, where's, where's the risk reward? I mean, if there's, you know, no money to be made, if the marriage is being put back together, if there's not any custody battles going on, I mean, how much money would you have to pay a hit man or a hit person for an elaborate hit like this, right? Right. It does seem very bizarre. Yeah, I think yeah. of a hit as being someone pulling up and shooting someone and taking off. That's right. That's right. And, you know, uh, the other thing that, that, you know, I was thinking about, could this have been an attack on the church? I mean, directly at the church. Well, Somebody that has just so animos, so much animosity and rage at the church and knew the church had, in your words, a local celebrity doing the boot camp there, right? Yes. I mean, I mean, you know, now that could be a pretty deranged person, okay, that was familiar with the church, maybe was ostracized from the church, um, maybe were wrong about the staging uh, inside, maybe that person was just starting to take their anger out on the facility itself before they got to Missy. Interesting. I, you know, so, so I'm looking at, you know, is this somebody that is just going to really, you know, take it out on this church and rub the church's face in it? Um, you know, then you talk about, we have a problem with the outside cameras. The person knows the layout inside the church. Did the, the pastor or anybody in the church have any, did the church itself have any problems with, uh, with anybody uh, leading up to it? Not that um, we're aware of. Um, uh, the church sort of, their, their stance all along from what we can tell was this is just the place that this happened to happen. And we don't want our congregation or our elders or anyone you know, we're not associated with this event, basically, that that was a Camp Gladiator exercise class that happened at our location, mm-hmm. but they've distanced themselves from the murder. But we also have to take into account of the, um, and I, I'm not sure if you had read this somewhere, you probably did, uh, about the creepy and strange message that she received three days prior to her murder. Yeah, was that was on LinkedIn? Was that on yes. LinkedIn? Yes, yes it she was. Yeah, in Austin when it happened, so... Yeah. Yeah. Missy had just returned from a Camp Gladiator conference, kind of like one of those raw, raw things where mm-hmm. you go and you try to recruit people, recruit, yeah. that kind of stuff. And it was down in Austin where the headquarters for Camp Gladiator is. And she had just gotten home that afternoon before on Sunday. So she was literally only in back home in town about 12 hours before she was murdered. Okay. Now, now, what kind of person was Missy? Was she nice, respectful, bubbly kind of person? Was she uh, tough? Uh, Every, everybody seemed to love her. Renee actually, um, my co-host here, Renee actually knew her personally um, in passing. You want to go ahead and tell about Missy's yeah, personality? Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so I met Missy in um, early, I think it was late 2013, early 2014. We both worked for a company together called Vault Denim. 
Um, and basically it was kind of one of those companies where you, well, it was, it was a little different as in we actually had inventory, but you basically had inventory of jeans. Uh, we would have salespeople that would check them out from us. And she was an inventory person um, that you would check the jeans from, you know, go have a jeans party or whatever, sell your jeans and then check them back in. So she actually had an inventory where she, where she was. And before I got my inventory, that's how I met her. So I would go to her house about once a week pick up my inventory and of course it would always take anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour so of course we're going to chit chat um so talking about missy she was a very uh, sweet person she was very humble because uh, she was also uh, involved in another um program called um or a company called thrive um or um what was the other name crystal for it oh yeah thrive. it's thrive There's another or name I can't think of the other name either, but I know what you're talking about. Either. But anyway, she was also involved in that. And she a couple times approached me for, you know, to join that. The patch that you see her wearing is what that is. And so um, it's kind of a supplement type thing. And so she approached me with that. So I say all that to say she was very humble um, because I would say things like, oh, you're so much stronger than me. Or, oh, you can just lift those bags of jeans like they're nothing. And she would always just kind of be like, oh, no, girl, I used to, you know, let me show you a picture of what I used to look like. She was very humble. She was very nice. She was very pleasant. Um, I, I just think overall, she was just a really great person. She seemed to make friends everywhere she went. Um, I mean, I genuinely liked her. Just from what little bit I've seen of knowing her for about a year I mean, I, I really like the person that she was, and that, that makes it so much harder to imagine what could have drove someone to kill her because she was such a, you know, such a great person to be around. Well, and especially in such a brutal manner, you know, yes, it's exactly. just in a, in a premeditated manner, you know, it's just unbelievable. This isn't someone that lost their temper and killed her at the last second. I mean, they planned this thing out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they were getting dressed up like that to just break some windows in the church, or right. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, this whole thing was this whole thing was really thought out. I, you know, so so you know, we we see a personal murder. It's very personal, and um, you know, was she objectified as being part of that congregation? Whether the others or anyone else, you know, uh, doesn't agree with it or doesn't like it. I mean, you know, when you, when you talk about deranged people, you know, people, deranged people do deranged things. Right. And, and um, you know, it all has to be, uh, it all has to be sifted through, you know, um, and, and maybe a wider net has to be cast. Maybe, uh, some more people have to be talked to because like you said, she received this when she was away in training, correct? Getting some training. Yes. She was at that, um, total transformation camp gladiator conference type um, thing she had been at. And while she was there, we're assuming it was when she was there. Cause they said this came in a few days before she was murdered. And that's where she was, was in Austin at that conference and um she looked down and she got a message from an a male on linkedin we just have to assume it was a fake account if it was the murder mm -hmm. and she showed it to her friend and they both agreed that it was creepy and strange and the friend told um mpd midlothian pd that she could not remember the name that was on the account 
mm-hmm. but that it was creepy and strange. Unfortunately, law enforcement, I don't think has been able to trace that. Probably the, if it was from the perpetrator, which I tend to think it was, um, they might've used a burner phone or done something to make it untraceable. Yep. Yep. Now, yep. this is something I really wanted to send you the search warrant. I had to sit on my hands not to, but I was told just keep it to the facts only and don't, you know, not to, because if you're going to do a profile of a murder, you don't, you know, not to throw too much in there. But they're the only person in this case that they have executed a detailed search warrant on is a man named Bobby Wayne Henry. And he is an ex-police officer from Lancaster PD. Um, prior to that, he was with Wilmer PD. These are all local small police departments. Actually, Lancaster's not that small, but anyway, so um, Bobby Wayne Henry, um, ex-law enforcement, and he was actually working as a security guard um, at an adjacent church. And we found out that um, apparently they share security guards with Creekside Church sometimes where Missy was murdered. Mm-hmm. And he had requested to work Missy's memorial service at Creekside Church. And we have some video of him walking. And something else that's interesting about this particular person is the forensic podiatrist. This is the only person that he saw walk that he could not eliminate as the person in the the murder, the video um, at the church. So the pert video. So he was so interested. That's looked encouraging, but there has not been an arrest. That search warrant was executed on Bobby Wayne Henry in December of 2016. Um, They had questioned him at the police um, headquarters at MPD um, May 5th of 2016, which is just like a week and a half after her murder, Mm -hmm. a couple weeks after the murder. Well, he had from, if, you know, if someone were involved, they had from May to December to get rid of things. But for whatever reason, the search warrant wasn't granted until December of 2016. It was executed. He did get arrested as a result of that search warrant, but he wasn't arrested for Missy's murder. He was arrested for um, child pornography that they found on his devices. So he was in custody. MPD had him in custody for 72 days. Mm -hmm. I think they probably thought they were going to, get him to talk, you know, during that time. Yeah. That did not happen. He was released and all this time has changed. All this time has gone by. So a lot of people are saying, well, you know, he must not have been the one or they would have been able to arrest him by now. Um, he has a history of sexually assaulting women while wearing tactical gear. He in fact lost his peace officer's license in December of 2003 for, um, attacking a woman, a sexual assault while wearing, um, tactical gear. Whoa. Well, I think yeah. it was just his police uniform, wasn't it? Because he was actually, actually No, he was working, uh, I can't think of what it's called. It wasn't his police uniform. It was, he, he had, he was brandishing a gun and he yeah. had some other really unsavory things in his past. And this is from, this isn't gossip. This is straight from public records. He was on trial in 1996 for a rape where he used um, police gear. Um, not all of the case records are really specific as to what, but he did have handcuffs for that one and some other police items. So he just looked like a really good candidate, not to mention, and um, I'll send you the video of him walking around working security at her memorial, at Missy's memorial service. Um, he walks a lot like the perpetrator, has the same posture. So he was a really interesting candidate. And there's a really good headline, HLN, Headline News Program, and they discuss him toward the end of that program. It was uh, 
The series is called Crime, Lies, and Videotape, and Missy's episode is number four, and it's called Murder in the Church, and that's the only time I've seen him really, you know, get discussed much in the media. Um, that was a really good show, but um, anyway, so he looked like a pretty good candidate, but, you know, he still lives there locally, and there's been, we don't know if they're even still interested in him. Um, law enforcement has said a lot of things that didn't make sense along the way on this case. And one of the things, so I take everything with a grain of salt because I feel like they're keeping stuff from the public. Yeah. But they did say that um, they were no longer interested in him as a person of interest. It's interesting. You know, that they yeah. come out so we don't know. Thing. Yeah, they're definitely holding back. I mean, they'd be foolish if they didn't. They've right. got to hold some stuff back, you know. But what would be his motive with Missy? I mean, uh, did he know her? Did he date her? Did they argue? No, we don't know that. Um, that's a really good question. So, And that might be one of the big holes in police's theory. Um, trying to, you know, because they obviously, he's the only person that they've done an extensive search warrant on. They have pulled people's Facebooks and people's LinkedIn, but as far as searching the human being's, you know, house and items, he's the only person they've done an extensive search warrant on. Um, and, you know, they're, the search warrant affidavit, you know, the probable cause, one of the things said that he attended the church that she and Brandon went to. And that's also, we found out later from doing some research, she had also taught some camp gladiator, some camp gladiator classes at that church, as well as where she was teaching when she was murdered. So um, it's possible that he got fixated on her there, either attending the church or teaching there. He also worked um, security there as well as attending that church. It's called Avenue Church, um, very close to Creekside Church where she was killed. Um, so he so, did, he did attend, he did attend, I'm sorry if I got it wrong, did he, he did attend some of her classes? No, he no. didn't attend her classes, he attended the church that she and her husband had been attending, and okay. so while we don't have any proof that they ever met, they were certainly in the, they would probably be in the same location several times, so there would have been an opportunity for him to see her and know who she is, more than likely. Um, because she taught at, she taught Camp Gladiator at that particular church, and she also attended that particular church some. So that's they were saying that was the connection, but we don't know to what extent, and we honestly don't even know if they ever met. You know, and, there's and no just, strong connection. There's just, just not. Just to add this real quick um, on on the church the um the, the church creekside that she did classes at there was another church the avenue which is the church that i go to and it's in waxahachie um it is the avenue church that has a couple of different um locations there is another location in ennis texas which is from what we understand when he was uh, served the search warrant, he was, he was living in Ennis, Texas, and there is a location in Ennis, Texas. So we don't know if he actually attended the Waxahachie one, uh, the Avenue Church, or if he attended the one in Ennis. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing well, if he lived actually, in Ennis. Actually, Renee, our contact um, had told us, remember, that he did switch to Ennis, but it was long after Missy's death. Okay, okay. Initials PC. <laughs> Remember our source? Yes. Okay. okay. I don't want to rat her out on the air, but yeah. Um, yeah, sure, sure, sure. But anyway, yeah. So 
anyway, so he was actually, as far as I'm concerned, the most riveting um, person of interest. But I just, you know, apparently law enforcement either cleared him completely or they just haven't been able to put it all together. We don't know which because they've been so tight lipped. Yeah, usually, I mean, if it's a it's if it's a revenge kind of personal thing, right? Then you know you have um, like an organized um, murder in some way. Now, earlier you mentioned, listen, if you wanted to kill this lady, why didn't you just show up? you know, in, in the cover of darkness when she was getting out of her car somewhere some other day at night and shoot her and that was it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Went away, right? So this whole thing is very different, but because of the overkill, it looks very, it looks very personal. Um, the other thing that keeps jumping out at me is actually that day she was supposed to be training outside and then later she said, oh, it's raining, so we're going to do it inside and, uh, you know, we're still going to get, you know, get ready to train or something. You know, we're going to do it inside. So, I mean, this person you know, realized that she was going to be inside that particular day, correct? Or, 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 you know, if it wasn't, uh, if it wasn't, um, you know, somebody just had something against the church. I mean, how do you, how do you guys see that falling in line here? Because uh, it was raining, but they were going to train outside if it wasn't raining. So at the last minute, she notified people, look, at it's going to rain, but we're still going to meet and train anyway inside, correct? Yeah, I think that that was something that happened um, more than just this occasion. I think the rule was, and we've heard this from a couple of people that um, either, I, I think they were camp gladiators that told us this, that if it was raining, they would still, they're still training. That was kind of the, the slogan that she yeah, used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was something to the effect of, okay, so if it's raining and it's just, you know, maybe just like a normal, you know, drizzle or, you know, whatever, they would still meet under the awning and still have class outside. But this rain, I guess if it's more of a, you know, torrential rain, or if maybe it's, you know, maybe even if it's colder, freezing, you know, something like that, they would have it inside. So don't, I, I know that she did notify people right before this, you know, if it's raining, we're still training. But I think that they already had a, a pre, um, you know what I'm saying? It was already uh, something that they knew about uh, that they were going to be inside if it was either raining really hard or if it was super cold. So I think they kind of knew that in advance before this particular murder happened, if that makes sense. Well, you yeah. know, Renee, I'm glad you brought up the rain. Dr. Kelly, what do you think about this? It was pouring down rain and this perpetrator wasn't, he didn't slow down. He or she didn't slow down. They still went forward with their plans. That's just amazing to me that you would get up, you would suit up like that in the middle of the night because the perpetrator arrived um, about 45 minutes before she did. This is the middle, dead middle of the night, like 3.40, 4 o'clock in the morning. And you're walking around and pouring down rain, hammering rain that morning. I remember it. And, and, and 
still going through that. That's someone who was, seems pretty determined to me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, there's no question about it. This person was uh, on a mission. I mean, there's no question about it in my mind that the person was on a mission, whether it was strictly uh, against Missy, was it also had something to do with defaming the church. I can't rule that out yet. I don't think we should rule that out. Right. Um, you know, um, so I, I mean, they, they were on, they, they were on their way. They, that, that was a person on a mission. Now, when you look at the time, when you look at the time, um, that Missy was grabbed inside the church. Would that have been the normal time that she would have been inside if it wasn't raining and she was going to do her class outside? We have heard that regardless of whether that she would, she had a key to the church and she would always unlock the church. And I guess so that the participants could use the restroom if they needed to. Um, I think her going in before the church really wasn't that unusual. I guess the unusual part was probably that she was starting to set up inside, whereas she would normally set up outside. What right. do you think about that, Renee? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that um, the, the only thing that I can see that would have been, um, it would have probably been known, but not as, as well known as uh, the part about going in the church if it's, you know, inclement weather would have been the part about there were a couple of uh, camp gladiators that did, I guess, because of their work, maybe they couldn't do the 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. class. So they asked if, since she got there early, if they could just start the class at 4.30 to 5.30. And the reason we know this is because there's, uh, Missy made a post saying, I have a couple of camp gladiators that show up early and they do it from 4.30 to 5.30. If you'd like to do that too, it works better with your schedule, you're welcome to. So the time frame for the, for the perpetrator to have pulled this off is such a very small time frame. It just, it's just amazing that they were even able to pull this off first of all but second of all were they privy to that information because it wasn't like it was a thing that had been happening for a long time or that she posted about it a lot yeah since I think since the 430 early arrivers were not publicized I would be willing to bet that the perpetrator did not know about that and he was working off her normal schedule of you know that was widely publicized that she would be there teaching at five I think the perpetrator there's no way they could have known about the perpetrator could have known about those 4.30, those two ladies that come at 4.30, because then that window tightens up to almost nothing for him to work with, or him exactly. or her. Exactly. So. That only leaves him about 12 minutes. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And that, and you know, the other, the other part of this too is they're attacking a woman who's physically fit. Right. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, God bless her. I mean, uh, you know, she's humble, like you were talking about Renee and everything, and a really, just a really nice, I guess, kind of gentle type person. But, you know, I mean, survival instincts would have kicked in at some point. And, you know, she had to be strong 
for her size and everything, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I saw it firsthand. I could I could tell she was very strong. I made comments to her often about that. And so I, I definitely believe that she could have, um, you know, if she wasn't attacked the way she was, I'm sure she would have been able to definitely fight back in a way that most of us couldn't have. And those pictures of her on Facebook flexing her biceps, those were, those are some big biceps. You don't see those on women very often. Right. Yeah, she's really, uh, she's really strong, you know. I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, do you think that the killer is, because um, there are a lot of groups on Facebook, there's a lot of uh, podcasts uh, dedicated to this, is, you know, in addition to ours, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of everything for people to look and see and hear. Um, do you think that the killer is listening, watching? And if so, what would you say to the killer if you, if you could say something to them and they were hearing it? Ooh, good question, Renee. Yeah, I would, I would, um, you know, tell the killer that uh, he should, pro he or she, he should probably give themselves up. I do believe uh, that if the killer is out there and he's not really um, mentally incapacitated, I mean, he's not that, you know, like uh, that deranged. Uh, that he is listening to everything and he's watching everything. And he really enjoys that because he's enjoying his power, his control. So far, he's gotten over. But I would tell him that it's only going to be a matter of time. Right. You know, what goes around, what goes around comes around. I mean, the world is round, right? Right. <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean, this is, you know, this is how it goes and it's going to come back. Now, what I'd like to leave you guys with for now this is such an interesting case. I'm going to, I'm going to have to bounce this off. Some of the guys on our team. Oh, great. Okay. Want to see if they want to get involved in this. Um, Cause this is a very, very, very interesting case. Um, the first thing I think that's um, that we've got to put a focus on is what type of, killer do we have here? Do we have that, um, you know, deranged guy, you know, that, that is deranged for whatever reason, and whether it's against her, against the church, whatever, just showed up to do damage and kill her, and, 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 he, and he's not really, you know, he's really, really mentally ill, okay? But okay. when you look at and I don't believe in coincidences a lot. When I look at how stealth-like, you know, the person was, and I got in there and, you know, maneuvered around, and, you know, I obviously, you know, may have been seen, may have, his vehicle may not have been seen. I mean, you know, first we're talking about a Honda, right? Now we're, am I correct? Or a, oh, yeah, that Nissan Altima that was seen catty corner across the street a couple hours before the murder. Yeah. Law enforcement has said that they don't think that's the perpetrator. They just want okay. to talk to the person. We don't know if they're telling the truth about yeah. that, though. So. Okay. Yeah. And then there's a small dark SUV that was seen fleeing the scene of the crime at about 4.30 a.m. from the actual church. Well, that would, that, would make, that would make much more sense to me. That's what I would be focused on. Yes. Um, firstly. And I would keep the um, the other car kind of on the 
back burner in my mind. But um, so we can be talking about a deranged kind of person. Now, we have not heard or have we heard about any sexual abuse? Was she sexually abused at all before she That has not been released. Right. I've assumed not simply because it was such a tight amount of time. It almost seems like he ran in there, killed her and ran out, and that's all there would have been time for. But we do have... um, we have heard some talk about it maybe being a rape gone wrong sort of a thing where this perpetrator went there and this is speculation a hundred percent this is not official but we have heard that it was potentially a rape gone wrong this perpetrator went in there to sexually assault her in this theatrical way um she knew self-defense whereas you know he wasn't counting on that and maybe did some damage to him maybe kick him in the crotch you know poke him in the eyes whatever they they tell you to do with those class self-defense classes and potentially he flew into a rage and killed her. So that might help explain why the perpetrator was so calm because everyone comments on that video. He's just, he or she is just walking through the church like it's Sunday afternoon in the park. Exactly. They don't look nervous at all. And then bam, the most violent murder in the history of violent murders takes place. And then they take off. It's just so bizarre in that way as well. Um, So we don't know that. That was just some speculation from... Someone I won't name on the air, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we can get into that offline. But anyway, so that's you know another possibility. We just don't know. It's in, it's incredible. I said it before. We know very little about this case. MPD's done a good job of of keeping everything under wraps, right? Well, you know they have, and uh, they need to do that. Like I said earlier, the good news is that there is enough out there. So, you know, a lot of questions can be asked. Now, this is these this is how cases are solved, too. The power's in the question, okay? By people talking about it, questioning it, asking questions. I mean, that's where the power is. Because all you need is one answer. I mean, you you have the the uh, how, how she was killed, okay? And now we're looking for the why, right? So the questions need to be focused on the why. And if we can come up with the why, that'll lead us to the who. Now, if, if hopefully lead us to the who, um, you know, is it, it, was it a rape gone wrong? Uh, was there any, um, uh, you know, possible uh, sexual connection? Um, you know, um, if it wasn't anything, personal, which it doesn't seem like there was. I mean, there's no, there doesn't seem like a motive, um, a personal motive to kill this woman. I mean, you know, the marriage was being put back together. There wasn't any money being involved. Uh, She had three kids. Um, Everything seemed to be good. Um, You knew her personally a, a little bit, Renee. Um, you know, she was a humble person. She didn't look too anxious or whatever, right? I mean, she, you know, pretty much, um, you know, uh, you know, went went around as a uh, a God fearing, nice woman who got along with everybody, right? I mean, is, right. That, is that the picture I have? Is that the right picture? Yeah, that's the picture I see, and Renee knew her personally, so yeah, it's it's really baffling how anyone could brutally murder this person in that way. Yeah. And we did hear a rumor, and I'm going to chalk this up as a rumor, but uh, two different locals told us that 
um, one of the POIs, and I won't say who since I'm not, it's since yeah, it's, yeah. but had made some advance at her. I don't know if it was comments or asked her out or something. And she told him to hit the road and he was back for revenge because he didn't take rejection well. Now that seems a little extreme reaction to rejection. So I don't know if I believe that rumor, but I did want to put it out there since we heard it from two different sources. Well, no, I think this is, this is extremely, extremely important because, uh, and a lot of people don't, don't realize what I'm going to tell you now is in my interviews with various serial killers, you know, we would see a lot of rage and especially with serial killers that focused on sex workers. So my, my question was, well, how come you killed some and you didn't kill others? Hmm. Right. Right. They don't kill every time. I don't. Okay. And, you know, I, I, most of the time, 99% of the time I would hear, well, they made me very, very angry. Well, what do you mean they made you angry? You know, what did they do to cause you to be so angry? Well, they resisted. Mm. Okay. So another word for resisted is rejection. Okay. And then if we want to go down that road, what is another word for rejection is abandonment, correct? And we know there was like abandoning attachment disorders with most serial killers and their families growing up, right? So with that being said, if this was some kind of and you and and many many serial killers were serial rapists before they became serial killers. So if this was somebody that had acted out before, that did have a background of um, uh, serial or not serial, but rape or assaults on females in general, I mean, um, being rejected, being rejected by Missy could have been that button. Could have been that hot button, yeah. That could have been. I definitely somebody has to. Uh, that's somebody that definitely has to be looked at. There's no, there's no question about that because a, a lot of guys, uh, for whatever reason, uh, you know, they don't they don't take rejection well, you know, and especially if they're playing the role as a macho kind of guy or something like that, you know. So, and I- also, you know, we had discussed, and before we um, end the podcast, I did want to run this aspect by you. You know, Brandon, her husband, was out of town, and that raises a lot of eyebrows to people. You know, oh, well, isn't that convenient? He just happened to be out of town when his wife was killed. You know, we've heard that over and over. And um, do you think, just sort of eyeballing the situation, that that was just a coincidence? Well, I guess there's the, op- well, number one, there's the option that he was involved, of course. But do you think that that was, if he's not involved, do you think that that was merely a coincidence that he was out of town? Or do you think the perpetrator knew that and decided to kill then? Well, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, very, very possible. You know, something we haven't talked about. We haven't talked about, um, you know, uh, I, I've been kind of going around it here, you know, looking for, you know, uh, marital reasons, usually it's because of, uh, you know, vengeance, they're, they're angry, uh, 
because an affair is going on or something. And, um, you know, lots of times it's uh, over money and it's, or it's over uh, custody of the kids or whatever. And to me, what jumped out that was interesting was not only Brandon was out of town, but Randy was out of town at the same time. And not that they had anything to do with it. I mean, I don't, you know, I certainly would never accuse them of having anything to do with it. But in looking at the various segments that I looked at, uh, and but I guess, you know, Randy was cleared by the podiatrist because he seemed to have a gait uh, from the back. If you look at him walking from the back, it's... Um, you know, it seems a little similar, but if you, you know, I mean, you know, that, that means nothing. That means absolutely nothing. And that does not mean that he uh, was involved or whatever. I just think, um, you know, uh, both of them being out of town, um, you know, maybe if she was killed at her house, mm-hmm. It would mean something to me or outside her house or something like that. Right. But what would, what would, what, you know, what would it have to do with the price of nuts? You know? Yeah. I mean, if, 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 uh, you know, uh, they're both out of town and she gets killed at the church. Well, I guess because it would establish an alibi, but, but here's the thing I I did want to in, interject this about Randy Beavers. He He's not local anyway. So technically, Randy Beavers is always out of town. He lives in Austin, which is about three hours south, uh, two and a half hours, I guess, south of Midlothian. So he and he frequently does travel in the RV with his wife, according to his family. So him being out of town really isn't suspicious at all, because he's rarely ever in that area. Um, he comes to visit, but so him being out of town doesn't trouble me. I, I understand with Brandon being the husband and him being out of town, that bothers people. But it was an annual trip. I mean, I've talked to people who just think it's a complete coincidence and other people think it just means he's guilty. So, you know, people are kind of all over the place on that. Well, you know, I, I think it boils down to two things at this point. I think it boils down to one um, you know, the person had a, uh, a personal grudge for whatever reason directly with Missy Beavers or the church, okay? Or this was, you know, some kind of deranged person, be it, um, you know, like I said, a possible, you know, uh, mentally ill, visionary kind of person, which I don't think it was, or was it a sex offender? Okay. I mean, I think you, you have to ask yourself, what was the gain from killing this woman? Okay. Right. What was the gain? I mean, you got this really good looking, attractive, in shape woman who doesn't have any money on her. So it's not about money. So it's usually, if it's not about money, it's usually about, you know, relationships and vengeance or, or a sexual predator of some sort, right? right. I, mean, I mean, so, um, 
I think to, I, I think something we need to keep in mind is that uh, the best, or I'm sorry, um, the best predictor, yeah, the best predictor of present or future behavior is past behavior. Amen. Yes. Okay. So I think that's, you know, something that um, has to be taken into consideration here, especially if we're looking at a sexual kind of angle here. Because I could see somebody that's macho or whatever thinking, uh, well, I'll just overpower this woman or whatever. She's really attractive. I've seen her on TV and everything, not realizing how strong she is. <laughs> yeah. You know, gave, uh, gave him or her or whatever. Uh, yeah, she could have gotten a couple of good licks in, and all of a sudden his sexual motive is gone. Now he's just angry. Oh, yeah. I did, I, no question about it. Not only angry, fear. Fear, because he's got to get out of there. Right. <laughs> you know, and he's got he's got to now just, you know, st- you know, neutralize her and get out of there. You know, I mean, that's that's right. gone out the window, you know. Right. Excellent point. But I, I, but see, we've gone over a lot and there's a lot that has to be sifted through and. Uh, We're just so thrilled that you came on. Thank you very much for oh, this. You're more, you're more than welcome. Certainly I'll be thinking about this now. I, I appreciate and truly appreciate uh, the honor of you guys calling me doctor. I <laughs> <laughs> I want to make it crystal clear, Crystal, that, <laughs> that I'm not a doctor. Hey, as okay. I boarded that out, I was going, ooh, does he have his PhD? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I am, I am a humble clinical social worker that is certified in forensics, and I've been blessed, uh, thanks, thanks God, uh, to have been trained just uh just right place right time i guess the uh, lord put me in the right place to be trained by some of the best people in the country and that's awesome it's just the way it happened that's i awesome. have a i have one last minute question if you don't mind yeah. and it's for our listeners so i wanted yeah. to uh, be sure and ask you this um what would someone look for if they think a friend or relative might be this person like their actions uh, their mood type things after this would happen um you know, just something for somebody who thinks they might know someone. If it's, if, it, if it's not somebody that's severely mentally ill, right, um, you know, their mood would be that they would be obsessed with following the case. Okay. okay. Be obsessed. Um, they, may, um, they may ask questions. Uh, they may bring it up a lot in conversation, um, you know, with their loved ones or somebody in the family. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, uh, you know, we, we don't have changing of appearance here because the person was such a disguise, you know, um, it's possible the person could start to drink more, okay? Mm-hmm. But I don't know if this person's that concerned because as you guys brought up earlier, there's this, la- 
you know, laissez-faire attitude walking around the place, you know? And would, yeah. that, would that be indicative to you as a true psychopath? If someone knew they were about to violently assault someone, whether sexually or murder or some combination, to be that relaxed beforehand, is, is that a marker of a psychopath? It can be. Um, it can be. Um, you know, I've talked to uh, a number of psychopaths <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're different. They're different. Um, you know, it seems like they're all different, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's, but this person, this person, I just think was just filled, looked like filled, brimming with confidence or whatever. I mean, I don't just, you know, and, uh, um, having a lot of confidence, but, um, you know, not having a whole lot of conscience, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, they, um, they can just, this can, they can change that quickly. They can go from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde and create what we call disassociation. They can disassociate you know, so quickly, um, and, and it could be part of their diagnosis, you know, psychopathy could be part of their diagnosis. Right. You don't know what their true diagnosis is, you know, I mean, uh, just, uh, just an awful lot to take into consideration here, you know? Yeah, it's truly bizarre to think this happened to such a quiet little suburb of of Dallas. Well, see, this is what happens. This is what happens. This is like up in Delphi, Indiana, where you guys know I'm working now, I guess. Yes. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. You know, and uh, appreciate it if you'd uh, give John Kelly a profiler a plug. I guess I just plugged myself. No, we're going to. Oh, there you go. There we are. Absolutely. I'm a big, I, actually, I, I sort of went on a binge watching of, of your Delphi YouTube videos. They're excellent. <laughs> and remind me a lot of this case, you know, a little bit of video and you know, a small town where things like this don't normally happen. There's some parallels there. Yeah, trying to corner, try, you know, what we're trying to do, because we have nothing to look at. And, you know, in this case, you have something to look at. Yeah. In Delphi, we have nothing to look at. Yeah, just that mm -hmm. little brief little video clip. Yeah. I mean, there's a guy walking across the bridge, but I, I don't have uh, any kind of, uh, you know, focus on, uh, you know, the helmet. Um, you know, the weapon, uh, how they were killed. I mean, we have, we have, you know, we have, we're getting more and more information from people because people are getting upset, but I mean, you know, we're, we're very cautious too. We don't want to, you know, uh, upset an investigation either, you know? Right. I mean, right. I agree. We're not going to taint the investigation. We don't want to do that. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's when you have these kinds of murders in small town, I mean, it drives the cops crazy. And especially if it's a stranger on stranger murders, stranger on stranger murders are the hardest to solve. Usually, can imagine. most murders is where the victim knew the person, you know, the person knew the victim or, you know, a family member and something went right. Uh, sadly, uh, you know, most murders, you know, uh, go unsolved. 
Yeah, it's just the way it is. It's sad, but it's very I, sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you having you. Sure, having my pleasure. I enjoy it. And I'm, you really caught my interest, you know, in this case. It's really, uh, awesome. it's really a major, major whodunit. I mean, um, just when you think you've seen it all, you know, you're yeah. kind of something else. <laughs> yeah, this just couldn't be wackier, crazier. It's horrible. So, uh, and, and, yeah. and, and for me, it's kind of like I've gone full circle in a way when I started this, because I started off down there in Huntsville, <laughs> you know, back in the early 90s, interviewing Henry Lee Lucas for hours at wow. uh, Texas Death Row. Interesting. And, you know, what a strange character he was, you know. <laughs> I can only imagine. Oh, man, you know, couldn't shut him up. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like Crazy. <laughs> so anyway, thank you so much. Thank and you so much. We appreciate it. For our and listeners. Thank your audience as well. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say thank you so much. And for our listeners, please look up profiler John Kelly. He has some wonderful YouTube videos. On right now, your series seems to be mostly focused on the Delphi murders. Maybe at some point you might want to do a video on Missy Beavers. And we would oh, yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll you then. And then, and maybe at some point, um, when things change, if you don't mind, we'd love to have you back on sometime. I'd, I'd, I'd certainly love it. Uh, it was, Thank you. Uh, a pleasure being on. And we appreciate it so I'll much. By the team, I'm sure it'll catch their interest. Okay. I hope so. Well, we love it. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Wonderful day. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Kelly. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line.